Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're having a good Tuesday. Another cool fall day out there, and um, you know I like that. I hope you're enjoying it as well. I think we'll get some sunshine here in a couple days. If you're if you're wanting a little bit warmer weather, it's it's coming. Hang on. Um, well, maybe just coming briefly. Um, winter is going to be here one of these days after all. Well, last Wednesday night, uh, we covered um, a pretty good-sized chunk of Scripture out of our 1 Corinthians study. It came out of chapter 4, verses 6 through 21. And this will be kind of Paul finally pretty, pretty much wrapping up his um, discussion here and addressing the issue within the Corinthian church of of people within the church following personalities, following people rather than solely following Christ. Now, now there's nothing wrong with with learning from the teaching of others, but if you begin to align yourself so much behind one individual who to to so much so that you begin to describe yourselves as a follower of that individual rather than a follower of Christ this is a this is a this is not a good thing and this is what again what was taking place in um, in Corinth and one of the very first things that Paul had to address in this letter so this will kind of wrap up his address of that today um, and again it is verses six through twenty one of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, so I'm going to give you a moment um, where you can press pause and read through that chunk of scripture, get that in your mind well, um, and we'll discuss it briefly um, and then talk about what we're going to look at tomorrow night. So um, press pause, give you a little bit of time here to read through that passage of scripture. Okay, uh, well, you're back with us, so let's take a look at this. First of all, when you look at verse 6, there is a word in the New American Standard that really jumps out, and the word is this, um, arrogant. So none of you will become arrogant um, one against another. Now, if you have a, a New International Version, um, I believe that you're going to see the words puffed up, which is more of a literal translation of, of what the Greek is. Now, this is obviously an issue that was that was needed to be addressed. Um, Paul will use this this word in the Greek, meaning puffed up, many times within this letter. Just in our passage that we're looking at today, um, he will use it twice. So he makes it clear you in verse seven that we as followers of Jesus have no reason to boast. Everything that we have, whether it be gifts, whether it be talents, they have been given to us by God. So why should we boast? If we're going to boast in anything, as we will see later later in this letter, Paul will say, boast in the Lord. All right, beginning with verse 8 and the next few verses to follow, um, Paul, we see the sarcastic side uh, of Paul, and he, he evidently, from some of his writing, he, he had a pretty strong sarcastic bent um, to himself, and uh, that's, that's basically what he's saying. He's, he's basically really beginning to lay it on pretty thick here um, in way of, of condemning this attitude within some of the believers, some of the Christians in the church there in Corinth. And he's saying, you've already become filled. You've become kings without us. Um, and let me let me say this: if if they have already reached this mature level in Christ, because um, that's kind of what he's getting at here. You've already become rich. You've become kings. You're already filled. Then this question must be asked: What is the point of enduring hardship if maturity has already been reached? 
Um, some in in the church were kind of putting the cart in front of the horse when it came to this. And Paul makes it really, really clear in the next few verses that, I mean, it's too bad that the, what you guys are believing here of becoming filled and you're these mature, strong people in Christ, um, these kings without us. He said, it's, it's too bad that this isn't really the truth because for that reason, um, me and my fellow apostles uh, would no longer have to suffer, but they are experiencing suffering. And then he goes on in verses 9 and 10, all the way down through verse 13, talking about what he and his fellow apostles must endure because of sharing and being willing to share the message of Jesus Christ. They're suffering for that. The suffering of the apostles, as well as other believers in that day and in that time, and still in our day and time today for many throughout the world, is still very much a thing of the present. Um, in verse 9, he says that, that we have been condemned to death. It's an interesting phrase, being our interesting word used in, in the Greek here, that, that basically referred to this word that he used, was used also in reference to criminals who were sentenced to fight wild beasts in the arenas. Now, this would typically, in the arenas, be the grand finale of those particular barbaric games that would take place. Perhaps you would have gladiator versus gladiator and, and different sorts of, 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 of games taking place. And it's hard to refer to these this, this bloody mess as games, but it was games to them and to that culture. And usually the grand finale would have something about humans battling beasts. Now, for the purpose of entertaining an audience, as crazy as that sounds to us. Now, you might say, well, is Paul taking it too far? He's, he's not, and he's not just being figurative here. Um, actually, in 1 Corinthians 15, he will actually say, if there is no resurrection of the dead, which is an argument that he's battling against in 1 Corinthians 15, there's no coming resurrection of the dead. For what reason did I fight the beasts in Ephesus? So Paul had actually done this. And I'd be willing to bet some of the other apostles had done the same. And he continues down in the next few verses and pile, piles up all kinds of, of sarcastic opposites of, of what they are doing in Corinth. These, this, this opposition to his teaching as opposed to what... Paul and his fellow apostles are enduring in way of suffering. And in verse 13, he, he uses a phraseology here. He says, when we are slandered, we try to conciliate, meaning to, um, to reconcile, to comfort. He says this, we have become as scum of the world, as dregs of all things, even to now. This word scum of the world, scum of the world, in the Greek referred to Impurities removed and thrown away when cleaning a vessel. I mean, think about this for a moment. Washing dishes and then when you get done, what you have left that gets caught in the strainer when you release the water, um, when you do it the old-fashioned way, not with a dishwasher, okay? And... Um, I mean, just think of, of the nastiness that's left in, the, in that strainer at the bottom of the sink that you either throw outside or throw in the trash or something along those lines. And he says, that is what we have become. But this was also used as to label a scapegoat victim of a community when the community was trying to um, deal with guilt uh, within that community, and they'd find a scapegoat. Now, 
to, on that note, he uses another phrase. He says, the dregs of all things. And in the Greek, that means the things that are scraped off. Now, that you could put that in a lot of different contexts, okay? But this also in the Greek was used to refer to vile criminals whose blood was shed to atone for the sins of a nation to avert the wrath of the gods. So basically what Paul is saying here is we are bleeding for our message and our faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. That is what's happening to us. But you, you there in Corinth, you're kings. You're not suffering at all. You are so mature. You are so strong in the Lord. And he's he's really laying it on pretty thick here. Um, in verse 14, he goes on to say this. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. And then in verse 15, he goes on to make a comparison contrast between a tutor and a father. Paul claims the church, the Christians in Corinth as his children because he was the first to preach the gospel there. So he is their spiritual father. And what he does here is he makes a distinction between a tutor and a father. Now a tutor, that, the Greek word for that is, it's, it's a very well-known Greek word. And it's used a number of times in the Bible. And the tutor is a pedagogos. And what this was, was a, a pedagogos was a hired personal assistant. This was a, this was a servant or slave, but they met the requirement to be placed in a very, very important position of bringing up, guiding, and directing, and protecting for his own sake as well, uh, protect him from himself sometimes, um, the, the heir of a father, most often the firstborn son. The pedagogos was the one who would take them from place to place, keep them out of trouble, okay, and also protect them and also teach them. This was a very honorable position among servants and a, a, a position that required a lot of, of trust on behalf of the father in that tutor, that pedagogos. And this tutor, this pedagogos, was worthy of respect. If the son did not respect this tutor, there would be trouble. And Paul is making a point here and he's saying, you have many tutors. Um, you have Apollos, you have Peter, you have Priscilla, you have Aquila, you have many tutors, you have Timothy. But he said, but I, but I am your father. I am the one who brought you with the message of the gospel to Christ. He says this, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And then he tells them, he says, therefore I exhort, exhort you, in verse 16, be imitators of me. Now, this is not to say that Paul had a big head about, no, I'm such a great guy and I'm, I'm worthy of being followed. No, one of the most important verses that you will find in all of 1 Corinthians, this letter is 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, where Paul mimics these words and he gives us the other side of imitate me. And he says this same thing to these same people. And he says, imitate me as I am imitating Christ. The reason Paul was worthy of being followed is because who Paul was following. So Paul then goes on to say, um, Timothy's coming to you. Matter of fact, Timothy's name is not used in the salutation of this letter, which leads uh, many to believe that Timothy, as Paul is writing this, is already either in Corinth or on his way to Corinth to confront and visit with the church about some of these issues. And um, 
we not only see this, we see that Paul says, not only am I sending Timothy, but if you continue to to use these words when it comes to not only me, but my message, that's, that's the issue. Paul, when he saw an attack on himself, he saw it as an attack upon the message that he brought. And he said, I will come. I will come to you. Don't think I won't. Those of you who are arrogant, he uses that puffed up word again. He said, and when I come, I will find out if your words have power. He said, because in the kingdom of God, it is not words that mean anything. It is power that means something. For Verse 20, for the kingdom of God does not exist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Should I come with you with a rod? You want me to come and bring the pain? Or will you want me to come with love and a spirit of gentleness? Now, church tradition and looking at what happens in Second Corinthians as well lets us know that that this letter a little bit a little bit ahead of the ball game here, but this letter did seem to have a powerful impact upon the people in Corinth. So, all right. All of that being said, as as you look to the end of chapter four. Many people believe that Paul was just about to wrap up this letter. He's told them that Timothy is coming, or he's already there. He's on his way, saying, I will come too. And it very much looks like he's concluding this letter. So what is believed probably happened is he received word once again from Corinth, the people in Corinth, of something else that needed to be dealt with. And that's what we will look at tomorrow night. Um, That's going to be November 3rd. Uh, We'll have class at 7 p.m. There will be a meal before it at 6 p.m. And um, there'll be classes for all ages if you'd like to come join us. And we'll be taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. There is an urgent issue that needed to be addressed, and one that is just almost hard for us to, to comprehend of what was taking place within the church there at Corinth. So that's what we'll take a look at tonight. Thank you for joining us, and hope very much to see you tomorrow evening.